So it's a treat for me to be able to uh, be the speaker today because originally we had planned that uh, O'Shane Winter was going to be our speaker today. We've done some, uh, some exchanges with him. He's the pastor down in the Denver area that, that has come here once before and we've had some opportunities to speak at his churches down there. But something came up that made that impossible this week. So I got the chance to do this and I'm, I'm happy that I did for a couple of reasons. One reason is because uh, it's fun to be here and be speaker on a special day with the dedication. And uh, for another reason, when I go too long without doing this, I really start to miss it. And I really start to miss being part of the experience at church. And summer's a little crazy, so probably very few of us have been here every week for the last three. But I can tell you for sure I have not. I've been gone for three weeks. I was off to Kentucky, and then it was down to Florida, and then up to Virginia, and uh, just joined you. I was able to join one time last Sabbath. I was able to watch when Alicia spoke, and I was very grateful to her for doing that and appreciated her message very much. But it's a blessing to be back today, and I'm glad to be here and to have this opportunity. Now, it, it was slightly stressful. I'm not going to lie that part, because I didn't actually get home until Thursday evening. So that kind of crammed this whole week together, and then throw on top of that the fact that Jay was gone this week. So, so it's, it's been brilliant that things have worked out as well as they have, and I want to thank Brigida for coming in uh, yesterday evening and helping me through a few of the details that... I had no idea how to accomplish, but she got it all done, and uh, so far, so good. I think everything's turned up on the screen when it was supposed to, and uh, everything's coming off well. So let, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day, and we pray, Lord, your blessing now on your word uh, and, and on everything that's spoken. May it be according to your will and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So baby dedication, a very special time. And many of you have uh, participated in events like this with your own children as you went along. There's a, there's a special emotion we feel in our hearts towards the ones that we understand that God has given us a responsibility for. We feel a burden in our hearts for them day after day after day. I, I remember when... Uh, when our first was born, when Gable was born, that each year when his birthday would roll around, there was this emotion in my heart. And it took me years to identify it, but I finally identified it. And when I finally did, I wasn't exactly comforted. It, it, was, it was a difficult thing, and this is what it was. There was a part of me every year that when their birthday rolled around, the question would come into my mind, have I done it? Is he safe now? But the answer is always no, there's more. And really in this world, as much as we can do, we can do many things to make life better and safe for our kids, but we can't do everything, and we can't make the world completely safe, no matter how hard we might want to. And there's a longing in our hearts that takes place for the ones that we love. Paul was familiar with this emotion because he experienced it a lot of times, not necessarily with his own children. We don't have any record that he had children. But he felt like a father 
to all the ones who had come to believe as a result of when he went to their town and taught them about Jesus. He longed for the babies in the faith. I got to spend a little time with my granddaughter. That's a really good experience. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, that's a really good thing. So when I was down in Florida, I stayed with Nathan and got to spend a few days with uh, baby Florence. And it just warms your heart. But that emotion that you feel, I believe Paul felt something similar to this. And, and it comes out, I think, in the book of Philippians, in the letter he wrote to the church at Philippi. So Philippians chapter 1 and you can take the Bible in front of you if you want to follow along here because I'm going to be reading out of that translation. That's the English Standard Version. Philippians chapter 1, one of the smaller, uh, one of the smaller books in the New Testament there. Uh, these are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different churches. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. Those are interesting words, but basically what he's saying here is he's greeting the church and he's acknowledging the leaders of the church, this overseers, the, the Greek word there is episkopoi, and then the deacons, diakonoi. Uh, he's, he's talking about how the church itself got itself organized, the the, the overseers, the ones who kept their eyes on what was going on in the church and the, the deacons who made sure that the needs were met. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. We should spend a long time on that, but we're not going to today. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making, sorry, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, this is an interesting statement. Paul doesn't always write to churches with that kind of initial praise. Sometimes early on, he's like, I'm really having a problem with you guys. But here, interestingly, when he writes the letter to the Philippians, he's like, you have been so good from day one. And what's interesting about this story is we actually know a little bit about what day one was like for Paul with the Philippians. Because this story shows up in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn over to Acts chapter 16, you can pick up the context of what Paul is talking about here. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. This is such a weird chapter. And this section of this chapter is so interesting. Paul is journeying on a missionary journey, and he wanted to go into the province of Asia. That's where Ephesus is, and, and uh, Thyatira, and and Pergamum, and these cities that show up in the book of Revelation. Paul wanted to go in there, but he felt like the Spirit was saying, no, don't go there. But why? Why, Lord? Don't they need to hear? And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, 
But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So now he's trying to go into the part, so we're talking about what is modern-day Turkey. He's trying to go into the part where modern-day Istanbul is. But the Spirit says, no, I have a place you need to go first. Verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, so he's going to go to Macedonia now, and this is where he's going to come to the city of Philippi. And this is an important place, and God had something in mind for this moment. He said, no, now is not the time for you to go to Asia. Now is not the time for you to go to Bithynia. I have a mission for you. And he sees the vision in the night. Now, there's a very interesting moment here. I don't know if you noticed this as I was reading it. Do you notice how the pronouns in this passage shifted from they to we? In the first part of this, verses 6 through 9, everything he says is they saw, they did, and so forth. And then verse 10, it says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. I got to wonder if, in fact, part of God's purpose was not that Paul would get, he needed to get to Troas because there was a man there named Luke who needed to join Paul's team and travel with him because someday somebody needed to write the story of what took place when Paul traveled and also a gospel bearing his name. God will always lead us if we will trust him. And sometimes when an obvious door closes in our face, we get, we get discouraged and confused. But if we will trust God in those moments and let him lead us, even when the course is strange, amazing things can happen. So, Acts 16, verse 11, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. Now, it's very interesting. The next section will talk about Paul's experience there. And in general, it's pretty good, but there is some negatives in this experience. One of the good things about this is Paul meets a woman by the name of Lydia. And she's actually from Thyatira, which is one of the cities in Asia. Isn't it interesting? He couldn't go to Asia, but he did go to Macedonia, met a woman from Asia who probably took the gospel back to her hometown. God can still accomplish anything he sets out to do. He does a lot of things, and one of the things that happens is there's a, there are these guys who have a servant girl who, in the description of Acts... She is, is possessed by a demon that gives her the ability to foretell things. And she starts following Paul and Timothy, sorry, Paul and Silas around and, and is saying things like, these men are, are from God and have come to tell you this, which to me sounds like something you'd kind of want to have said, but, but at some point Paul is like, this is not good, this is not right. And he casts the demon out of the woman. And her masters realize they've lost their source of income. And they turn on him, and they go to the magistrates, and they have Paul seized, Paul and Silas seized, and they beat them, and they put them into the cell. 
at the prison. And at midnight, they're in the prison, and they're singing hymns, the Bible says. And then there is a great earthquake, if you remember this story, and all of the cells open up, and all the chains fall off all the prisoners. And the, the prison warden comes in, and he's about to kill himself because he thinks everybody's escaped. But Paul says, no, don't do that. We're still here. We're all still here. It says the man believed, he and his whole family, and were baptized. And the next day, the magistrates come and say, let them go. But Paul and Silas say, no, we're not going to go. We're Romans. You beat us without a trial. All of this stuff took place in Philippi. After this, they leave, and they go on on their trip to Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and Corinth. And in Corinth, they spend a really long time. But the interesting thing about this is, yes, Paul was in Philippi, but he was not there very long. He spent a really long time in Corinth. He spent a long time in Ephesus later on. But it seems as though with the Philippians, he just was only with them for little short amounts of time. So we go back to Philippians chapter 1. In verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. When he remembers his Philippians experience, it's a fond memory. Do you have those places in your life? Ah, I remember when we were there. That was so good. And then you've got those other places in your life. Ah, I remember when we were there. That was rough. Philippians is a pleasant memory. And I'm not sure Paul had a million pleasant memories. But Philippians was a good one. Because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise we use a lot. <clears throat> we take that promise and, and we apply it to our lives and we should. It's that promise that the God who called us, the God who began a work in our lives, will be faithful to complete it. This is, this is the promise we need when we're discouraged. This is the promise we need when it looks like everything is broken down. No, God is still working. He will bring us forward. Verse 7 it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is an interesting statement here. It appears that the Philippians must have invested themselves in helping Paul continue his ministry and, and sent him. You read every now and then in the stories that a representative will come from one of the cities where Paul was and bring with them support and supplies and things like that. And it appears that the Philippians were one of those churches that Paul could count on to su support him and help him in his ministry. And they were faithful in this, regardless when he was in prison or when he was on the road. They were invested in Paul, and they showed their love in practical ways and in faithfulness. Going on, verse 8, For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is his prayer for them. Now, I want to break this down because this is powerful. These words that Paul, are speaking are, that Paul is speaking are powerful. His prayer for them is this. First of all, that your love abound more and more. <clears throat> this is a great illustration that Sandy did, starting with love was small, and then it abounded more, and then it abounded more. And it, it goes on, and it, it's more and more. The really neat thing here is Paul didn't have to say to the Philippians, hey, I really need you to figure out love, because what you're doing, no. He kind of had to do that with some other churches. But for whatever reason, there was a spirit among the people of Philippi that was a loving spirit. But Paul said, you know what? There's even more. You know what the saddest thing in the world is? The saddest thing in the world is a community of people who profess faith in Jesus but don't love each other. That's the saddest thing in the world. And it's the biggest waste in the world. Because when we believe in Jesus and the love and the grace that we've received, it opens the door for us to show love and grace to each other. And you know what's really great? What's really great is being a part of a community full of people who love each other. I think this is one of those churches. I think this is one of those churches that understands love at a deep level. And that the people of the community have genuine goodwill towards one another. Think about it. While you're sitting there, one of the fun things about this church is you come in through the front. And so if you're late, everybody knows exactly when you got here. But one of the fun things is we come through there. And what that means is if you're here already, you can see who's coming through the door. Now, you've been in scenarios where you have people that you're just not happy with. And when you see them, it's not a feeling of warmth in your heart. But I believe this is a community that, that when whoever comes in that door, when you're sitting there looking, you look at that person and you think, oh, I'm so glad to see them. Oh, I'm so glad they're here today. If we're not that kind of a community, we're really missing an opportunity. We're missing an opportunity to show love and experience love. And, and here's the thing. I think we're already pretty good at this. But according to Paul, this is a thing that can abound more and more and more. And I believe this is a mark of a healthy community with love for each other centered in Jesus Christ. So his prayer for them is that they would be that community where the love abounds more and more. But, but not just that. They would also be a community that that love spills into the, into the zone of knowledge and discernment. See, Paul wanted that community to have understanding and wisdom in action. It's important when, when we come here that, that we show love for each other, but it's also important that we do the things that will help us to grow in our knowledge and in our understanding of God and his purpose for us and his love for us. 
This is why it's so important that all of us take time to read our Bibles on our own. This is what's so important about the connect groups that take place after the service, where you get the, uh, the opportunity to interact with each other. This is where knowledge grows. This is where understanding grows. This is where discernment comes in. And let me just say, man, we're living in a tricky time. It is a difficult time. It is difficult to discern in this day how God would have us live, how God would have us respond to the things around us. We know love needs to be the core of it, but, but how does that play itself out? What do we do? This is discernment. Some eras of history, things are kind of cut and dried. That doesn't mean they're right, but they're clear anyway. Okay, well, we're not suffering from clarity in this era. Things are tough. And this is why we've got to go back to God's word. We've got to share with each other. We've got to wrestle through the challenge of the days in which we live. And it's got to produce a love that abounds. So our growth in knowledge, our growth in discernment also needs to be coupled with a growth in love. Why do we need this knowledge and discernment? So that we will be able to approve what is excellent. Excellence is, a, is an amazing thing. I wish you all could have been where I was uh, a couple, well, I guess it was three weeks back, I headed to Kentucky for, for, the, uh, for the meetings at the called, the pastor's called convention. I wish you could have been there because there was a lot of excellence there. And I just want to say, since he's here, I want to pick on Japheth today. He was the director of the entire program. Did you know that? He was the guy who sat in the, in the chair at the back of the auditorium with the headset and called every shot on everything. He was the one that put a five-minute timer on George, George Knight, and uh, George Knight nearly went crazy with a five-minute timer on him. But he kept the program moving, and it was so powerful that George Knight himself made the statement at the end, I've gone to these things for 60 years, and this is the most inspirational one I've ever been at. Now, some of that had to do with content, but a lot of it had to do with the excellence that Japheth and also Pastor Jay. Jay was behind the screen directing everybody who came out onto the platform, keeping all the pieces going. Excellence matters. And when we are a church that executes with excellence, it brings glory to God. And he's saying, I want you to abound with love and with knowledge and discernment and be able to approve what is excellent and to live according to the things that are pure and blameless. These are the excellent things. You see, we make a series of choices every day. We can live according to the things that are pure and blameless, or, or we can get drawn off. And man, is it easy to get drawn off. I, I have this, uh, this, this, this wonderful little algorithm on, my, uh, on Facebook that has all of these suggestions about things that I should be interested in. And the problem is I sometimes kind of am. 
And a lot of them are not pure and blameless. Does this ever happen to you? Does your feed give you things and you're like, wow, who do you think I am? There's a lot of ways to get pulled away. How do we hang on to what is excellent? How do we hang on to what is pure and blameless? For the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, I don't know for sure that he's referencing the list of the fruits of the Spirit that he mentions in Galatians, but I'm sure that's not excluded from his idea of the fruit of righteousness. What are those fruits? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm sure those are included in what he wants to see happen in their lives. And what he says is, when we abound in love, when we grow in knowledge and understanding, when our discernment is sharpened, when we identify what is excellent, when we live according to what is pure and blameless, and when we have the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts, we bring glory to God. Have you ever wondered, how can I bring glory to God? Well, yes, one way to do it is to stand up and praise and say, glory to God. Okay, that, that's true. But there's another way. And it takes place every minute of every day, everywhere you are in your life, when you're growing in love, when you're growing in knowledge, you're growing in understanding, when you're walking the path that God is putting before you. Now, I'm not saying you're doing it perfectly. None of us are doing it perfectly. But when the desire of your heart is to seek after the ways of God, to walk in the direction he wants you to go, to have the spirit in your heart that he is calling us to have patience and love and kindness. When we live like this, we bring glory to God. Paul said to the Philippians, my prayer for you is that you would live like this. And let me say to you, my prayer for all of you is that you would live like this. That we would be a people that don't just bring glory to God in a praise song on a Sabbath morning, but we bring glory to God at Safeway, at Target, on the road. That's a hard one. In our families on our jobs. Every minute we have this opportunity. And my prayer is that we would be those people. But you know what today, I, that's the general, general reality I wanna leave with you today. But today I wanna do something a little more specific as we end, because we did something specific today. Today was a baby dedication. And we took a moment to remember in our own hearts how much we want these blessings for our children. My prayer for all of you is this would be true, but I want to end this more specifically. You saw all those kids down here? And that's not even all the kids represented in this place. Some of you have grown kids. Do any of you want 
to pray this prayer for your kids today? That they would abound in love, that they would grow in knowledge, that their discernment would improve, that they would understand what was excellent, that they would live by what is pure and blameless, that they would have the fruit of the Spirit in their hearts, that they would bring glory to God. Does anybody want to do that? I want to ask the band to come up here because we're going to do our song right after this. But as we're closing here, I want to let you come in on this a little bit. Now, I used to do something kind of like this every night when, uh, when I would help put the kids to bed. Um, I had a prayer I would say with them. Alicia would do a little time with them, and then I would come in, and uh, Alicia would just have them calm down, and then I would come in and get them all wild, but that's what dads do. Anyway, it was called the tickle prayer, but that's a, that was fun for me. Anyway, um, but I always would pray this same prayer at the end. I had to change it when Ariel came along, slightly, because it was her, not him. But, uh, but it went like this. We'll use Gable as an example. Father in heaven, be with Gable. Help him sleep well. Fill him with your spirit. Help him grow to be a good man. Thank you for him. I love him. Amen. That was my prayer every night. And then it was Nathan got the same thing. Then Aaron got the same thing. And then Ariel got, Father in heaven, be with Ariel. Help her to sleep well. Fill her with your spirit. Help her grow to be a good woman. Thank you for her. I love her. Amen. That, that was kind of my approximation at the Paul prayer. I might have left a couple things out, I think. But, but the, the whole idea filled with the spirit really went along with this idea. And... It was an important experience for me. Paul always had that parental love for those who had believed. But here's the moment where I want you to be involved. So I want to pray this prayer that Paul prayed. And here's what I'm going to read at the end. Father in heaven, may the love of everyone we named abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And may their lives as a result be to your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the prayer I'm going to pray. But I don't know all the names of your children. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to go first. Actually, I should let you go first because I already got to say things. Yes, you can go first. And here's what's going to happen. Alicia's going to stand up and she's going to say the names of our children because those are the ones that we want included in this prayer. So Alicia, go ahead. All right. Who else wants to stand up and include your kids in this prayer? All right. Good. Outstanding. Yes. Good. All right. Good. Good. Did you get you okay? Good. Go ahead. Excellent. Amen. Oh, here we go. You can say. There it is, yes. Go ahead, Greg. 
outstanding. Amen. Yes. Jesus' name. 